Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Dave Whitley here, Advancing Man Project show. And I've got a, a fantastic guest today, a little bit different from uh, from some of the normal guests that I've had on. Not that she's abnormal, but this is the first female guest that I've had on. And um, very excited to have her on here. Her name is Michelle Poole. She is a nurse and lactation consultant. She has a master's degree in counseling, certified in childbirth education, over 10 years experience helping parents to feed their babies, their little tiny infants that they're bringing home um, through breastfeeding, chest feeding, pumping, formula, you name it. She knows how to get nourishment into that little baby body. Um, she has a website which I think is one of the greatest names ever. And it sort of describes my fixation of, of when I was in college, although it doesesn't mean the same thing now. It's called bottleandboob.com. It's funny how you get a little bit older and you have a child and things like that take on just a different focus, which is cool. And then of course her um Instagram is one minute milk bites. That's the little at sign, the word one underscore, the word minute underscore, milk underscore and bites. And on that, she does a fantastic job of providing little 60-second newborn education bites on things that parents can do to make sure that they're getting things done that their little babies need. Because, I mean, let's face it, when you're new and you have a little bitty baby, especially if you're a first-time parent, you're just you're handed this child and expected to to help it grow and thrive and prosper and all that. And as I'm very fond of saying, there is no instruction manual for any of this stuff that is standardized, but there are a lot of people who are expert in various aspects of things. And I'm very fortunate to have crossed paths with Michelle. Um, oddly enough, um, the way that we met has nothing at all to do with anything to do with parenting or fatherhood or babies or any of that sort of stuff. Um, she is a, an avid student of the mind and metaphysics and all the things that are associated with that. So we clicked in two points very early on, um, a love of helping parents be better parents and also a love of the study of the mind, uh, the metaphysical aspect of stuff, the subconscious aspect of stuff, everything that goes along with that. We actually met in a Neville Goddard group. And so um, we've stayed in contact ever since then. Very excited to have you on the show. This is going to be quite a change of pace for some of the other stuff that I've had on here. And I think it's going to be incredibly beneficial. So welcome to the show. And I'm so excited and looking forward to helping you promote your message and to help all the parents who are listening to this, um, you know, I I work with or I work with men, and I am in a lot of different social media groups with men fathers who run into various problems, and they just don't know how to handle it when it comes to infants, breastfeeding, bottle feeding, all that sort of stuff. And so, um, before we get too deep into that, um, well, I, I, I say all that to say that I'm very glad that you're here, and I think that um, this is going to be incredibly beneficial to a lot of dads in the world. And I know that you probably primarily work with with either moms or couples, but there there are going to be a lot of dads that are going to get get exposed to this information um, as a result of this interview. And I'm really super excited about that because it's going to help everybody. It's going to help you. It's going to help me. It's going to help the dads, and most of all, most importantly, it's going to help those little babies who who don't have you know don't have any autonomy yet. Um, so before we dive too deep into like the, the nitty gritty of all that sort of stuff, share a little bit with me about your personal journey and how you got to where you are now. Yes. Well, thanks so much for having me today. I am really excited to be here too. And I don't usually get to talk to just dad. So that makes me feel like 
I've got you guys now. I can, <laughs> you have to listen to me. Uh, and I do have a lot of great tips for dads out there. Um, a little bit about me. I have one child. I thought like many of you who are married and have children, we are kind of sold this message about having a newborn is wonderful and lovely and magical. And if you decide you want to breastfeed, it's like the angels are singing and we're in a meadow in white outfits and everything is just, you know, mother nature-ish. And that sounded pretty good to me. Yeah. I thought that looks good. Sounds good. I can do that. And it was really, really hard for me. I got kind of shoved down into reality quite roughly and realized just kind of like you said, I don't know what I'm doing. I And you said we have to, you know, nurture this little being and help it uh, grow and experience life in this wonderful way. But we got to keep this baby alive. That's huge. Like the, their lives are literally dependent upon us as parents, mothers and fathers. And I don't think that actually hits until you come home in the door with this baby and you say, holy cow, now what? Where is the instruction manual? They didn't give us that at the hospital. I remember that moment and things were really rough for me. So I felt um, I felt overwhelmed. I felt scared. I felt anxious. I felt like a zombie and I I had postpartum depression for sure. And I want all of you listening to this today to know that one of your first jobs is to be kind of attuned to your partner's emotional and mental well-being and all of this. Because as a mom, we also feel like I have to do this. I have to be tough. I can't show everybody that I feel like maybe this was a big mistake. I don't know what I'm doing. So I want you as as the dad to realize you're taking care of a family unit now. And part of that is just really being in tune to, hey, how are you feeling today? What can I do for you? What do you need? Because we kind of hyper-focus on this baby, which needs to happen. But mom's mental and emotional health matter too. So I really struggled. I did manage to get some help. I almost quit breastfeeding because it was really taking a toll. And I felt like a failure. I felt like my baby didn't like it. I felt like my body wasn't doing what it was meant to do. We get this message, your body was meant to do this. And I was like, not mine. <laughs> so I did get help. I did have somebody kind of sit down with me and say, here's what you need to do. We're going to have this simple plan to follow. And things did fall into place for me. I've been a counselor before that. And I thought, wow, you know, it took a couple of weeks for me to feel like breastfeeding was easy and natural. And I liked it. I didn't even love it for months, probably. I almost gave up, but I did get that help. Uh, and so I always say get help before you give up. I did that and it was it was helpful. I thought if I can kind of marry counseling with baby stuff and breastfeeding stuff, this is a niche spot for me. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, we kind of leave out mom's mental health sometimes. So I went back to school, I became a nurse, I became a lactation consultant, and I started just kind of diving in and practicing with, with new parents. And my focus really is on not just mom, but mom and dad, this family unit, we have this change in identity that nobody really talks about. We talk about the baby and the things you need to buy and how to feed the baby. And, but we don't talk about your identity is changing. This yeah. is a big change in your role. So that's kind of my background. That's putting me where I am in front of you all today. And like I said, I'm really honored to be here. Yeah, that uh, 
that whole identity thing that happens there. I see in so many of the social media groups that I'm in with dads, someone will come in some, some soon to be father will come in and post something about my, my, my baby's going to be here in three weeks. What do I need to do to prepare? And almost without exception, they get dozens or scores, or even in some cases, hundreds of responses from men who are wanting to talk about things that are valid things like, you know, get a diaper genie, get a, um, you know, make sure that you have plenty of, uh, uh, the little, the, burp cloths around you know yeah. and like um set up a schedule so that that you know it's 2 30 in the morning and she's in there feeding and she's not able to or, or she's too tired or whatever you got some some milk set aside and it's, it's like all of this really practical um and very valuable information that gets thrown out there but very rarely do i see guys address you have you you will go through an identity shift you have to in order to make this work and what does that identity shift mean? And so it's, it's, and if it does get talked about, it gets talked about in terms of, of like, you know, be there for your partner or show up for the kid, but, but rarely does it get addressed in terms of like, how do I actually do that? Okay. Be there for them. What the hell does that actually mean? Right. And all of those responses tend to come with um, come from a place of the person who's responding's personal experience, which it's going to be very varied obviously but i think that the thing that we need to look for is what what are the commonalities that that, that are in play there because yes we need to keep this child alive yes we need to take care of all the um the hands-on stuff around it around being a parent and around bringing the child home but from the the mental and emotional standpoint there's very little information out there for anybody you know, and and a lot of the the responses that I'll see to stuff like that echo what you just said about um, postpartum depression is a real thing, and it will affect everyone differently. Um, and it's also not exclusive to mothers. And so, what you said, the thing about about being there for your partner, um, I think that there's a a very overlooked component of that because like you said, all the stuff, all the tensions on the baby and, and attention should be on the baby. But if, if we're having a situation where, where I'm showing up at like 80% of, of what I'm capable of or hundred percent of what I'm capable of. And I'm, and I'm feeling good and I'm like mentally clear and I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place mentally and physically, and I'm relatively well rested. And mom is at 20% of capacity and sinking fast how do I, as a dad, step up and support the mom and also uh, um, keep my attention on the baby that needs to be? And it, it's a, uh, it's, it's quite the. Um, I think about the um, the people in the circus that get that get plates spinning on on uh, the sticks, you know, and then they're running around trying to keep twenty different plates spinning in the air and all that. So uh, for me, um. I went through that phase before I knew you. And for me, it was a matter of looking at what are my fundamental principles that I've come up with as part of my own internal code that are around being a dad and the values that I want to instill and who I want to show up as and how I want to show up, how that man shows up. And um, we went through some some problems with um, with breastfeeding. And we wound up, we eventually figured out like a few months into it that it was a tongue and lip 
revision or a tongue and lip tie thing, we got the revision done and our son went from like fourth or fifth percentile to he's freaking huge now at age five. I mean, he's, he's in the, you know, the 90th percentile somewhere weighs over 50 pounds. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that like, if you don't seek out help, how are you going to know that that's what needs to be done? And so, um, uh, all that to say, to set this up, it's like, what are your fundamental principles that are the same, regardless of a situation with, with a family? Like, you, you know, if you've got this family under this set of circumstances and another family under radically different set of circumstances, but the commonality that they have is they have this new kid, this new baby that's there. And there, there's going to be more differences than there are similarities. I want to know what the similarities are, because in my experience, when we when we look at opposing or uh, different situations that don't seem to have much in common, the truth lies in the commonalities, in the similarities. So I want to hear you speak on that. Yeah, yeah. We're all of us are just afraid of, of messing it up. So I really like to talk, I think it's so important if you don't have a baby yet, if this is, you're listening because you're you're expecting, please have these conversations before the baby arrives. Please sit down with your partner at least once, but probably a few times and start asking each other these questions that Dave is bringing up about what does it mean to you? You're going to be a mother. What does that mean to you? What does that look like to you? What are you most afraid of? What worries you about that? And you might never have had that conversation. And when it comes to a baby, this is going to be guessing if, if this is your first child, you're just going to be speculating because you don't know what that looks like. But to start that conversation is gonna make it easier and easier to continue it. And then when, when, I'm saying when things are not going perfectly because they will not, you are not perfect. Your baby is not perfect. Nobody's perfect here. We have to kind of just adapt and roll with this changing little being who does tell us what they need, but you really have to just accept that there is no one right way to do this. There is no book that is going to tell you every single thing so that you get it right every time. That's that's not real life with a baby. So it's important to recognize that, but to have that conversation beforehand and just get an idea of like, you might be very surprised by what your partner says in their values around family, mother, father. What do these words mean? And probably some of our childhood stuff is going to come up in here, but this is why we need to, to talk this through. And then a question or a statement, both that you're going to be using again and again is, how can I help you with that? What is it that you think I can do in those moments when you're feeling lost, confused, less than perfect? How do you want me to show up for you? And again, this is going to be guesswork before it mm -hmm. happens, but at least we have some kind of foundation of understanding of how this might work and how it's going to work together. So that if I notice you struggling, if you're my partner, I can say, hey, I'm noticing this. How can I help you right now? Or we talked about this. Is this where you would like me to show up this way? So again, I'm being very general here because mm -hmm. this conversation is going to be so individual to everybody out there. But it's really important to have it up front several times before if you can. Another thing I would just recommend is that if you're if you're thinking about breastfeeding or pumping, 
meet with a lactation consultant before you have the baby. People get very, um, can I do that? Is that a thing? Yes, it's a thing. And it's so helpful. And for both people to come. So I teach prenatal classes. And often the, the mom is saying, should my partner come? Should my boyfriend come? Should my husband come? Heck yes, because you're in this together. You're going to be in this together and everybody needs to be on the same page with how are we keeping this baby alive? How are we keeping this baby safe? How do we know this baby is fed? And mom's going to be, uh, everybody's going to be tired, but mom might be a little more tired after going through childbirth and a little foggier perhaps. So one of the big roles that that dad has here is is kind of just like remembering We've heard of mommy brain, daddy brain's real too. I think you probably agree with that. But I think one of dad's first jobs is just to start gathering this information and remembering it when the time comes. We can know that a baby is okay. Here are the ways and I'll, you know, I'll teach you that in my classes. Other lactation consultants will teach you that. And then mom will forget and she'll start saying, I don't know though, I'm not sure, I feel anxious. And you can come in and reassure and say, remember, that we learned about little babies. We learned that if we look at their diapers, we can know they're okay. If we look at their feeding patterns, we can know they're okay. If we look at their sleep patterns, remember this. And then you can help her remember and, and kind of get on the same page. So um, I hope that kind of helps answer the question of, of what to do uh, and who to be. And, oh, it, it brings me back to that point of, of surrendering to I'm not perfect. That's so important. That's universal. Um, and I'd love to hear your um, thoughts about that because all of us want to come in being the best parent, the right way, the perfect parent, and then reality hits. So did you have that experience, Dave? The biggest thing, yes, I did have that experience. And I I continue to have experiences like that now, you know, five years later of, yes, I want to... Uh, I make a distinction in my mind between perfect, which is unattainable, mm -hmm. and what's the best I can show up as right now. And I think that that giving myself the authority to give myself permission to say I'm not at 100 percent, but if I sh if if I'm at 70 percent and I show up and give all 70 percent, I'm actually giving 100 percent of what's available at the time, right? And um, the communication thing that you're talking about there on the front end, we we did that. We, you know, I, I didn't want to miss the the in any opportunity to be able to be there for my child even before he was born. So so we did that kind of stuff. And one of the things that I picked up on early on, and I realized that I haven't actually spoken much about this, um, but it's the idea that two or more things can be true at the same time. And like the easy example of that is I'm so happy and I'm so grateful and I'm so filled with love that it is indescribable that I have this child. Also, I am tired as fuck. It's two 30 in the morning. I haven't slept more than 10 hours in the past three days collectively. And, and I'm right at the edge of what I think I'm capable of doing. Both those things can be capable, can be happening and true simultaneously and then you can add in the third element of um i'm going to i'm going to stay here and do this with the bottle in the middle of the night so that mom can sleep or i need to go to sleep because i'm gonna 
I can feel a cold coming on because I haven't had enough rest, you know, something like that. I need to go wake her up, you know? And so that communication on the front end is what's paramount in my own personal experience. Um, and the, the question that you asked of how can I show up for you or, or what do you need me to do? Like it, essentially it's, it's understanding that more than one thing can be true at the same time for me. And I've, I've talked to some, some of the guys that I've coached with about this before too. It takes the, the situation and it reframes it from a different, different perspective. It takes it from a, uh, a, a me versus whatever's going on to it's us solving a problem rather than, than me bumping heads against you or me bumping heads against the child. And, and so it's, it's a very um, integrative, cohesive, we're all here for the same reason. We're all here because this baby and this baby, we want to thrive and we love. And that's true. And I also feel like shit and need a nap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I also have no reference point for these emotions that I'm having, you know, all of that can be true at the same time. So, so understanding that, that all of that being true at the same time, more than one thing true at the same time was huge for me because now I'm able to just accept things and, and do the thing that needs to be done rather than lament over how I'm not able to do the thing that I'm not able to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, we, we do. I, I said, we do have this expectation of beautiful, beautiful, magical, wonderful. And it, that's very true. Mm -hmm. That is happening. And, and also it's overwhelming and can be scary and stressful. I like to give practical tips for how to interact. And one of them is instead of saying, Hey, are you okay? Mm -hmm. I want you to say, Hey, you're doing such a great job. What is the hardest thing right now for you? Ooh, that is I want you to frame this in this way to acknowledge you're doing a great job. Every mom needs to hear that. You can't say that enough. So let me say that. And sometimes I talk to moms who haven't heard anybody ask her that in days or weeks. And when I ask her, how are you? And she says, well, the baby is this and that. I say, no, no, no. We're going to get, how are you? She burst into tears because no one has checked in on how she's doing. So I want you to tell her, hey, you're doing a great job. And listen, I tell mom, you tell dad, he's doing a great job too. We all need to hear that. And we don't, we don't just as adults, we don't hear that enough. You're going to say that to your kids too. As your baby's growing, I want you to tell them all the time, you're doing such a great job right now and lead off with that statement. But say that and then say, what's the hardest thing right now? Because that acknowledges both in the same space. This is wonderful, you're doing great, and this is hard. And it's not a yes or no, it's an open-ended question. Mm -hmm. And you you will get an answer. Yes. <laughs> and, then, yes. and then you have a job. Yeah. Um, real briefly, you said something earlier about how to how to know how the baby's doing. You said we can we can mm -hmm. see in the diaper. Mm -hmm. Um say a little bit more about that because that's something that I've I've not heard. Yeah, yeah, this is really, it's whenever someone's, uh, couples are deciding to breastfeed, we can get a little anxious because we say, well, we can't measure it in the bottle. How are we even going to know? That didn't occur to me until I had a baby. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot, how do I even know that this is working, this natural, easy thing? I can't even tell if it's working or not. Yes, you can. 
diapers. So what goes in must come out. Sure. And just like us, the more we drink, the more we go to the bathroom and the more we eat, the more we go to the bathroom. So it's the same thing for little babies. And when you go to the hospital, they're going to give you a piece of paper and they're going to say, write down every diaper that you change. I, this, I call this the baby Bible. This mm -hmm. is it. Now I'm going to give you three ways to know that baby is safe. But this is the biggest way, because if that baby is not making enough diapers, then they are not eating enough, period. It's just that easy. And we know how many diapers they need to have every day. So when you change a diaper, and sometimes dads are kind of given that job early on when mom is resting in the hospital, it is the most serious job you might have in your entire life. And I'm not even kidding, because it is really life and death when we talk about, is this baby okay? We're looking at those diapers. And when anybody calls me and says, Michelle... I don't, I don't know if I have enough milk. I don't know if the baby's okay. If you call a pediatrician, that's the question they're going to ask you. Right. Tell me about the diapers in the last 24 hours. And when you tell me that, I know we're not passing go. We're, we're going to the ER maybe. And that happens because people don't know these simple things. Or you tell me the diapers and I go, okay, the baby's okay. Now we have other things to talk about. But the baby's okay if we're making those making those diapers. So we count the diapers. The, we're going to talk about poop a little bit, guys. If you don't have a baby, this is going to be your life. So we're going to say the poop changes color. And you need to know that as that poop is changing color, it's showing you that the baby is putting food through their digestive system. That's whether you're breastfed or formula fed or both. We see that color change. Super important to see that. Super important to see that increase in diapers. So that's the main way that you know. Take that sheet very seriously. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. It'll be 3.30 a.m. and you're half asleep changing the diaper. I worked in a hospital, Dave, and we would, more than once, we were going through the trash because it was like, oh, I changed a diaper, but I don't remember. Right. I don't remember if it was wet. I don't remember if there was a poop in it. And we're digging through the trash because this is the difference between that baby's fine or not. And even on the first day, can they pee? Can they poop? We want to make sure everything's working. So it's it's way more serious than just oh, changing diapers. It's everything. The baby Bible. <laughs> then we look at the baby and we say, babies have a language. If mm -hmm. you all haven't taken a baby behavior class, highly, highly, highly recommend that you do that because we go, how, they just cry. How do we know what they're saying? They have little signals that they're born with, just like every mammal, to tell us what's going on in their little lives. And you can get a better sense of what's happening with that baby. And we see little fists to the mouth. I'm hungry. And we see relaxed, milk drunk. You've heard that called. Milk drunk, I'm yeah. Cool. Yep. Uh, so they're telling us things and we can kind of look at that baby to know, are they hungry? Are they full? How long should they be sleeping? We're looking at the baby to say, is the baby okay? And then we look at their weight gain. That's a very objective way to say, you know, but you already know that. So people go mm -hmm. and rent scales and weigh the baby five times a day. You don't need to do that. If you have the diapers and your baby is showing us typical baby behavior, the weight gain is going to reflect that. So you can just go to your pediatrician appointment and check in. So three mm. ways to know that this baby is okay without measuring anything in a bottle. Right. That's good information. Um, and, and thinking back on, on my time doing that, it's, it, it, it matches up. So, um, yeah, good. Um, now, dads want to bond with their babies. Yes. And I think that a lot of times we don't know how, especially if there's breastfeeding involved. Yep. We, 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 like for me, 
before I was a parent, I, I kind of had this idea in my mind that like this breastfeeding thing, that's a mom and a baby and a bonding. And it's a, it's a beautiful, sacred, precious thing. Like you said earlier with the, you, the, when you said the thing about the, the angel singing and all that, like there's, there was some old TV commercial from when we were kids that, that, tr that triggered an image in my mind of, you know, but, um, that can be the case emotionally and also the the flip side of that can be the case but very often and i and i, I see this with a, a lot of guys that i talk to it's like i don't feel useful you know i don't know what to do in that situation like like what is the the dad equivalent of that so how can dads bond more with the kid um around the, the feeding situation which i would in my experience has also been how can i help mom yes um, take care of herself. So, so speak to that a little bit. If you, I have a lot to say about these things. I'm going to try to remember everything that's very important here. Number one is this myth of <laughs> you must breastfeed to bond with a baby. That's not true. When we're talking about, you see this thing about bonding and breastfeeding because of the skin to skin contact. And when mm -hmm. we breastfeed a baby, there's more skin to skin contact. Now, skin to skin, that's good for everybody everybody, everywhere, every time. It's just a nice thing to be held close by somebody in skin to skin. And it releases this feel good hormone for us. If I'm a mom who's breastfeeding, I'm getting a lot of that. And that's where this bonding thing is coming from. If I bottle feed a baby and hold that baby skin to skin, I'm also getting those feelings. Guess who else can hold a baby skin to skin? Anybody. Dad can hold a baby skin to skin. And we see that the baby gets all of those same benefits. This is a little baby mammal born in the hospital, probably maybe at home. But um, in, in 2024, we're talking about very, um, usually very highly monitored situations. But the little baby doesn't know that. They have a little baby mammal brain. And the little baby mammal brain says, oh my gosh, if you take me away from my caregiver, I'm not safe. And their system reacts and they start to cry. Uh, eventually they'll stop crying. They'll shut down and be quiet because they think I'm gonna be quiet so the wolf doesn't come eat me. <laughs> but yep. um, they'll cry, they'll protest when you take them away from their caregiver. Their heart rate goes up, their respiration speeds up, their blood sugar drops, like their whole system is in uh, a state of disease. When you put that little baby mammal back with its caregiver, and that can be mom or dad, their whole system calms down. So everybody should be holding that baby skin to skin. And it's not just the first hour after birth. Most hospitals do that. Keep doing that. The little baby mammal brain is not done after an hour being on, on the outside. So please keep doing that. And dads can do skin to skin as much as moms can. That's a fantastic way to bond. So let's talk about bonding in general. And we say, I don't know how to bond with that baby. I have to, I have to be giving a bottle half of the time. Otherwise I can't bond. Well, that's a myth too. I just said, it's not about the feeding. It's about the closeness. How do you bond with anybody? It's the same with the baby. We bond with our five senses. Do we bond through eating? Yeah. Yeah. You want to make me a nice dinner and feed it to me and feed me the dessert on a spoon. I love that. And I love you for doing that. What else are we doing? So maybe we do have some skin to skin contact or just hugging or holding hands. We do have talking. So babies here inside of the womb 
And as a dad, you could get real close up to the belly and sing songs or read books. And that little baby inside is hearing your voice and they will know it on the outside. Isn't that amazing? Uh, we have studies of babies kind of measuring uh, the way that they, they respond to voices. And it's hard to prove anything with babies because they can't tell us. But it makes a lot of sense that a voice that they hear regularly, they just feel safer with or more of a connection to. So we bond through hearing. We bond through sight. So just looking at your baby. So as a dad, having mom do a breastfeeding and then take that baby, baby's milk drunk, done, maybe awake and alert. Mom, you go take a nap. I'm going to bond with this baby now by just holding the baby maybe holding skin to skin, looking into that baby's eyes. They can see when they're a newborn. They can recognize basic shapes. They know your voice. They know your smell. They'll, they're going to learn your smell. So we bond through our five senses. So do babies. Feeding is just one way that that can look. And it's not the most important way. That skin to skin, I would argue, is the most important kind of bonding point for a baby because that is where they feel safest, held, supported. And as a parent, that's what we're trying to do for the rest of that child's life is to have them have that feeling of being safe, love, supported, trust that I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to let the wolf eat you. That's yeah. what the little baby's thinking when you hold them skin to skin. So that's how you can, that's how you can bond with your baby. And if you want to share feedings for other reasons, I think it's wonderful. I think I help. I, Dave said at the beginning, I help people feed their babies, period. I don't mind how you feed your baby. I'll help you do whatever you want. Just don't fall into the trap that if I don't give a bottle, then we can't bond. And that's not right. true. Right. Um, I'm glad that you brought up the skin to skin thing. Um, we have not talked about this before you and I in any of our conversations leading up to it. And so what you described is almost exactly word for word, if I was going to describe myself, the way that I set things up for myself as a dad to be there for him. Um, some of my, and this is going to sound funny, but some of my fondest memories of that period of time is when his tiny little hand would pull back with a handful of chest hair, <laughs> you know, and, and it hurt, but it was beautiful. And, and, you know, as a as a bonding moment for the child yeah and, and we and, and we talk about bonding for the the good of the child but it it changes the adult too or it, at least it has for me it affected me in a way that i had no no idea was coming and still don't have the words to adequately describe um like i i thought i knew what a bond was prior to that but this is a whole different category of that um and I think that that there are societal expectations that affect men's willingness to do stuff like that. Either that, or it's just out yeah. and out ignorance of of what is skin to skin. Like, mm -hmm. like there are a lot of 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 new dads who've never even heard of that, who don't know what it what it's all about. I had heard of it, but like didn't understand how vital and how important and how powerful it was. But then once I had an explanation similar to what you said. I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to walk around with no shirt on pretty much all the time, you know? Um, so it, that's some of my fondest early dadhood memories is having those moments. And, and I want to take a moment to, um, reinforce what you said about when you're, 
when you're the dad and you're in that position, the baby's happy, fed, mom, go rest, take a nap. I'm going to, I'm going to hang out with my kid for a little while. That doesn't mean I'm going to sit and hold them and play video games on my phone. Yeah. No, it's the opposite of that. Like, like you, those moments are, are so fleeting and so important. Um, I'm just grateful that I, that I never intentionally missed any of them. And, and I hope that if there's anybody that's listening to this, who's not, a, wasn't aware of the, everything that you just said, that they now take that into consideration when that kid gets here, because it is incredibly powerful. Um, a little bit more around the, the bonding thing. You said we do it through the senses. We do it through feeding. Um, you're, you're pretty well versed in things, energetic and metaphysical. Mm-hmm. Speak to that aspect of bonding with a newborn or bonding with an infant. Yeah. So this is even, <laughs> we're going to say this is metaphysical, but I think most people would agree with us. If you're listening today and you're like, what are they even talking about? When you say, hey, the vibe was off in that room. Mm. What do, do you know what I mean? I say the vibe's weird in there. And you're like, I don't want to go in there. I get <laughs> a don't. weird, I get a weird feeling about that person or mm-hmm. I'm around that person and I just feel better. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's metaphysics, it. folks. <laughs> that's it right there. And what is uh good vibes only? Mm-hmm. That's it. And so this has become a lot more mainstream and you will learn as a parent. Now, you don't have to believe in any of this stuff, but you will see that your little baby reflects your state of being. And one of the most important things for us to do as parents is to remember that we're the parent here. And I, you say, of course we are. Babies can be tough little cookies sometimes. And I said, you're going to, you're not perfect. You're going to get it wrong. They'll tell you that you got it wrong. You, they'll cry and you'll say, okay, I'll try and feed you. And they'll keep crying. No, it wasn't that. Okay, I'll change your diaper. And they'll keep crying. No, it wasn't that. A baby crying is such a strong biological adaptation. It is, I think it's the hardest thing about parenting. I think it's harder than anything else is to listen to a baby cry. And it, it very quickly kind of bores into your brain and it's this alarm system in our deeper, the deeper part of our brains that's saying something is really wrong here and it's your job to fix it. And when that's, you can't stop that baby crying, it gets very uh, overwhelming. And so all of this is just to say, we need to take a step back sometimes and take deep breaths, because if you come in and start getting worked up and worked up and start yelling, uh, this is, we've heard about shaken, you're going to have to watch a video about shaken baby syndrome in the hospital. I used to have to show that video to parents in prenatal classes. And sometimes they would kind of giggle and laugh and say like, oh, we would, who would ever do that? And I'm like, you haven't you haven't been in a room with a baby who's screaming uncontrollably because when you are, you're going to say, I I would never shake my baby, but I am kind of understanding how frustrating this can get when we can't fix the problem and there's no language here. So Mm -hmm. how does this get back to metaphysics? I have to realize that I am aware of how I'm showing up. And is it in this state of, oh my gosh, make that baby stop crying? Mm. Because the baby will sense that and will not stop crying. Or can I take a deep breath and come in and just kind of hold that baby close? Can I relax my body? 
Can I blow out like the big bad wolf and talk in a lower, calmer voice to this baby and just hold and rock gently? So this is metaphysics going on with little babies. And you'll hear like the baby knows your energy. The baby gets your vibe. The baby knows your mood. That's that's all this interaction of nonverbal, non-physical stuff going on. So I think it's absolutely true. I also think that I also tell parents to talk to their babies, to have little conversations. And this goes for moms and dads. And tell that baby how, you, how you're doing and tell that baby how your day is going. And you have to take your baby to go get shots. <laughs> and it's always very sad to have to do that and watch the baby get a little jab and they start crying and you just say, oh, no, talk to that baby and say, hey, I'm, I'm really sorry you had to go through that. This is to protect you in your life. And I'm here with you right now. I want you to talk to that baby because that not only, I think they understand. Now you can agree or disagree with that. We can never prove it, but I think they understand. But at the least, they're kind of picking up on this energy that you're bringing, this vibe that you're bringing of, I, I know you're, I know you're here uh, and I'm here with you and I recognize you. I acknowledge you. I'm in this space with you together. We're here in this together right now, little, little being. And that's kind of what you're getting back to, like, get off of your phone and, and connect with this little being as much as you can, sure. as much as you can. And that's that's where I feel like the metaphysics really comes in here. For me, it was the most apparent that it was and like the, really shining the light on that aspect of it was when we took my son in and got the tongue and lip tie revision mm -hmm. done. Um, cause just, just looking at that happening is, is a, it's a terrifying thing to see how they set that whole thing up because they have to strap him down and they have to strap his head down so that, that, you know, when they go in with the laser, they don't cut something that they don't need to cut. And, um, the recovery from that was, multiple times a day i think it was like every four hours we had to wake him up and go in his mouth and yeah. and massage those areas so that, that they they stayed separated when they yeah. healed and i remember in the wee hours of the morning waking him up from a peaceful sleep to do that and just thinking i am so sorry that this is this is the situation that you're in right now mm -hmm. ultimately this is going to be a good thing and just like trying the best that I could to stay in that state of, of this sucks, but we're going to get through it. And I love you very much. And I know you don't understand, but I will not let anything bad happen to you. Yes. Yes. You know, that thing I said earlier, you say that to a little baby, you're doing a great job, little baby. <laughs> this is hard. It's hard being a baby. I say when I go visit babies and moms and dads, I talk to the baby the whole time mm -hmm. and I say, I know it's hard being a little baby. It's hard being in there and you can't tell us what you need. Uh, we're, you're doing a great job today. I, I say, I'm so sorry. I'm going to mess with you today. I'm going to take you off of that breast a couple of times. And I apologize to them. And you know what happens, which I don't think is a coincidence. Things go really well. And mm -hmm. the mom goes, well, this isn't like it when you're not here. Now, is it, and so I, I do like to talk to parents about, let's, let's try and show up as calm as we can. Let's take some deep breaths. That means taking a break sometimes. And we have this thing as parents of like, well, that's selfish. 
selfish to go out and leave the baby alone. Well, not alone. You're going to leave the baby with a sitter, but take some time for yourself so that you can show up more even keel. Because if you're up here and things are rough and you're feeling really tense and stressed and like this happens with if a baby is sick, if a baby is teething, uh, these tongue tie things like it can get really, really heavy. And for you to say, but I have to stay here 24 seven, that might not be best for everybody anymore. For you to say to your partner, hey, let's, I'm gonna take a break and then you're gonna take a break. And then, hey, you know what? Grandmom's gonna come over and we're taking a break together. This is so healthy. It is the opposite of selfish. I think it is when you are showing up, it's putting your own oxygen mask on. Yeah. You take a break, you renew your cup so that you can continue to fill this little baby's cup come back and you're going to feel a little more renewed. You're going to feel a little less resistance. You're going to feel it's, I'm just going to normalize that we can start to feel resentful sometimes as parents because your whole life has changed and you feel like, especially if, if, if you're the parent who's home alone with the newborn all day, this can get really rough and taking mm -hmm. that time away, even if you, it's just putting the baby in the crib and stepping outside for a deep breath, just, to renew and refresh. This is really, really critical, I think, for success and for achieving the goals that you feel like you want to achieve as a parent. You matter. We all matter here and we all need to renew our cups so that we can come in and, and help this baby. Yeah, I think we're we're all familiar with the the phrase of you can't give something that you don't have. Yeah. Right. And uh, but if that's true, and and it is, the inverse is also true. It has to be. You can only give what you do have. And if all that you have in that moment is exhaustion and frustration and confusion and uncertainty and headed toward resentment and and feeling like I have no idea what the hell I'm doing, if that's all that you have in that moment, it's even more important then to, to step back and gather yourself and and fill yourself up with with the stuff that that you want and that the kid needs right so that you don't show up and just dump that onto the kid and then wonder why the kid's crying right i think that so many grown-ups are conditioned to think that when a baby cries our job is to make them stop crying when the reality is when a baby cries they're telling us the only way that they know how what they need. Yeah. And, and that, that was a paradigm shift for me for sure. Um, because I, I, I honestly never really thought about it, you know, babies cry. Then I got one. I'm like, okay, what does this mean? Why is he doing this? Um, and like you said earlier, they have their own little language and the people who pay attention can start to discern that there's a difference between I'm hungry and I've got a giant turd in my diaper when they cry. <laughs> That's right. That's and, right. And, and when you, when you learn to identify those things and then look for, for patterns in the way that they move or in the way that they, um, uh, facial expressions or anything like that, then you start to figure out the language that is hardwired into them. It's the only language they have at that moment. And suddenly it's not about how can I get you to stop crying? It's like, okay, I'm here to take care of you. What can I do? What do you need me to do? And the sense of fulfillment that comes from sort of cracking that code yeah. was huge for me. And so I, uh, I, I love that you, that you 
frame it and present it that way. That's that's awesome. I think it's important too. So I'm saying like, I'll come in and I'm talking to the baby and I'm telling mom, Hey, you're doing a great job. This is really hard, but you're, you're doing great. And I, I talk to dad and bring him in and everyone's like, wow, this is going really well. There's nothing special about me, except I wasn't with a baby all day when I come right. into your house. So I'm coming in very fresh and renewed. Everybody can do both mom and dad can do what I'm doing when I leave, which is taking time for yourself and talking to each other in that loving way. You're doing a great job. What do you need right now? Talk to your baby. I love you. I'm here for you. I'm sorry this is hard for you right now. You can do all of those things. And see, I think you would see some of those changes as well if things are feeling like this household is getting whoo, like stressful and crying and exhaustion and take some time for yourself, talk to each other, talk to that baby and get help when you need it. I think that's huge too, is that especially probably men are a little less designed to ask for help because it's this sign of weakness or you don't know what to do or you're failing. And I think we all are, that's when we started this conversation, I said, that's the thing we're afraid of is that mm -hmm. we're going to fail this baby. And so I would love to hear what you think about that just as a, as a man, as a dad, how do you ask for help? Because mom's going to ask you and say, I need this. I need that. Who do you go to for help? Because I think that's really critical that you have somebody that you're talking to as well. Even if it's just to vent another dad friend or a brother, or if your parents are still with you, just to kind of have your outlet here, that's critical as well. Yeah. For me, it's, it, it goes back to what is the communication in the situation here? Like, like what does, what does the child need? Am I capable of providing that? Okay. If, if he needs something and I'm capable of providing it, then let's just make that happen. Right. It, it, it's for me, it was very matter of fact like that in the, in the early times. Um, it's, it's very much a, um, okay. Societally speaking, we we have these these gender roles which are largely bullshit in my opinion um but it's it's so deeply ingrained into us and so hardwired into us i think it's part of like an evolutionary process you know if we go back 10,000 years or whatever physically men were more equipped to go out and kill things and bring them back to feed the family yes. they were the hunters women physically more equipped to to take care of the young children, make sure that mm -hmm. they're kept safe in the whatever shelter they're in. And when the kids are a little bit older, they go out and they like pick berries or whatever, right? They're gen just physically more equipped, more well-equipped for the role of gatherer. So that's hunter-gatherer, right? Right. We fast forward a few thousand years. None of that matters anymore in terms of day-to-day -day execution. But I think that it's been hardwired into us from from an evolutionary standpoint and then it became this societal expectation that for so long was just never even questioned this is what men do this is what mm -hmm. women do this is this is what dads do this is what moms do but we're in a world now where it could be two dads it could be two moms it could be whatever mm -hmm. and so uh, and you know as a stay at home dad is a is a is a real thing and i know a lot of men who were stay at home dads and it just makes sense, you know, economically and emotionally for the family to do all that sort of stuff. So all of those gender roles in the modern era are, are largely bullshit. Mm -hmm. And it 
comes back to communication between the parents of how do we want to handle this? Because if, if I've got this conflicting belief that, that my role as dad is to protect and provide, and your role as mom is, is to nurture and take care of, how do I navigate that in the modern world? Right? Well, the truth is both of our jobs are to protect and provide for this child. Both of our jobs are to nurture and take care of this child because protect means keep safe. And, you know, in the caveman days, that was, you know, fend off the saber-toothed tiger. It, it provide was go out and and bring home the the protein, right? And in a modern perspective, what protect means is keep you safe from all of those things, yes, you know, someone coming and snatching you up or whatever, which is such a, a, a rare, unusual thing, you know, statistically speaking. But, but what mm -hmm. am I supposed to keep him safe from now? And my experience is my job is to keep him safe from external, unwanted negativity mm -hmm. that is going to to seep into his brain. And I don't know if I ever told you this story or not, but... Um, we had been home with my son for not more than two or three days, definitely less than a week. We'd been home a very short period of time. He was asleep in a bassinet. We were in the living room and we decided to watch television and we're like clicking through, figuring out what we're going to watch. And we had been um, pretty dedicated watchers of The Walking Dead prior to my son's arrival. Mm -hmm. So we pulled up some, some recorded episodes that we had missed and, and we're like, we're going to watch walking dead a little bit. And I'm watching it like two or three minutes into it. I'm like, something's not, something's not sitting well with me on this. And so I'm fortunate in that I, I know people that this goes back to how do you ask for help? This is like, this was a big, like pass shift for me all in this, this one little instance, this is me asking for help. I'm fortunate enough that I know and am connected with people who are very good at what they do. That like I have shown up in places interested in something and somehow wind up being connected to some of the best in the world in those things. Um, in in my pursuit of understanding those things. And one of those things is, you know, the the energetic metaphysical side of things. I managed to become friends with Dr. Joe Vitale along the way. And so my first thought as, as I'm having that, that sense of uneasiness, that sense of unrest is I'm going to text Joe and I'm going to see what he says about it. And so I, I crafted this little text and said, Hey, stuff that's going on, like with media or TV shows or anything like that, that's just in the room with an infant asleep or awake. How does that affect that infant? He texted back a three word text that changed everything for me, like, like solidified everything for me and cleared up all the confusion. He texted back, he'll absorb it. And I'm like, okay, do I want my, my weak old son absorbing the walking dead? No. So we shut it off and, and we still don't have, like, I stopped watching the news a long time ago, but we still don't have any of those kind of TV shows on while my son is awake and in the room with us. If he watches TV or has screen time of any sort, which is a couple times a day, usually about a half an hour, we don't do much of that. Um, <clears throat> which side note on, on that, I read something the other day that was a comparison between two kids and one of them had a lot more screen time early on, I think, 
Yeah, and then the younger one came came the sibling came in behind and had less screen time, or maybe those roles were flipped. But anyway, there was a a, a huge discrepancy in screen time between the two kids in those formative years, right? With just the TV being on and that sort of stuff. And they were siblings. So everything else is pretty much the same. The one that was, was subjected to more of just TV screen time, that sort of stuff had um, speech problems. And the other one didn't. And I'm like, there's gotta be a correlation there somewhere. I'm not sure what it is, but, but something about the neurological development and the communication, because if you're glued to a screen, you're not speaking, you're not actively participating in the communication. You're just receiving and absorbing, as Joe said, whatever's being, being put out in front of you. So, um, I realize I kind of went on a tangent with that, but, but you asked how I asked for help and, and wherever I feel led to do something like that, I, I pay attention to those, those feelings. You know, it would have been, it would have been equally as easy for me to be like watch him walking dead he's asleep it's fine mm -hmm. yeah yeah we absorb everything in our environment that's that's just how we are i think uh you know physical mental emotional health so it's not just you talked about the tasks like you do have to do the tasks for little babies that's mm -hmm. the care of the physical sorry about that um you do have to take care of the physical, but the the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, if you have any spiritual life, and I would say physical, mental, emotional are kind of forming your spiritual existence, but all of those are important in keeping, keeping a, a child safe. Because when we think about the problems that we have as adults, it's not getting snatched. It's like depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. OCD, like it's all of these negative thoughts, like you were saying, and that starts that starts when they're in the womb, when they yeah. can hear what's going on outside. So you you really can kind of take that to heart and just think about what am I exposing this child to at any moment in all of those realms, right. physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and it's not going to be perfect. I said that at the beginning, it's not going to be perfect. And you're going to sometimes watch a trashy TV show because that's what you need in the moment. But just overall, we're talking what's the overall experience that this little being is, is having. And if you can say overall, I think we're doing a pretty good job giving them a positive frame of reference and beautiful things to look at and listen to. And hey, screen time, you know, what's on the screen? That's what I would ask. What are they looking at? What are they listening to? Is it like they used to have this thing, Baby Einstein, back mm -hmm. 20 years ago, where it was like classical music and little baby toys? Is it that? Or is it some cartoon where they're just yelling and screaming at each other? So I think all of that comes uh, into play as well. But asking for help, I want you as a dad to offer that to new dads because we don't have enough of that where when you're expecting how many people have said to you, hey, you know what, call me if you need anything. Now, mm -hmm. as moms, I think we do that a little bit more and offer it up to say, hey, I'm here if you need anything. But dads probably don't do it quite as often for these societal reasons. Let's change that. Let's be the yeah. change to see if you are lucky enough to have somebody say that to you as a dad as, as a friend you know in the neighborhood hey like this is this is going to be a new experience for you you give me a call if you need to talk maybe you didn't get that find that person anyway and then you you start being that person when you go to the neighborhood party and there's somebody who's expecting a baby hey like this is going to be life-changing you can call me anytime if you just need to ask a question or vent a little bit. I would love to see more of that happening in the dad space. I, I agree with you completely. And I would much rather see experienced 
dads, whether it's five years experience, 20 years experience, three weeks experience, I would much rather see them reaching out and saying, Hey, this is going to be life-changing. Let me know if you need help. If I can help you, I would much rather see that than, well, everything's about to change. You're never going to sleep again. It's going to suck. All these terrible things are going to be going on, but it's really wonderful. Yeah. You know, or, or just unsolicited advice that, uh -huh. that is just kind of pointless and stupid. It's like, well, you know, the kid keeps crying. I can't quite figure out what's going on. Well, you don't want to hold them too long because you don't want them to become like, you know, super dependent. You want them to learn independent. It's like three months old, right? Just shut up with that. You know? Oh it, yeah, that's huge. And we've got tons of research that says the opposite of what you might be thinking there. So that's a whole other conversation mm -hmm. we can yeah. have, but yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, if, if you have time, I want to ask you one more question and then yes. jump into to rapid All fire. Right. That's cool. Shouldn't be more than five or 10 more minutes total. All right. Kind of depends on how long you take to answer, but, but okay. I kind of need to wrap up within the next 10 minutes yep. too. Yes. So um, there's something that I had never heard of until, mm -hmm. um, shortly before we had our son and that is the the concept of extended breastfeeding mm -hmm. i didn't know that that was a thing i i i never really thought about it but i know that there are there are a lot of folks that that are like okay you know a year in or 18 months in or whatever you're done because it's six months or so we can start introducing solid foods mm -hmm. and we can start to wean at that point which is great right um and uh, side note on that, we did the baby led weaning approach, which is whatever we're eating, we're just going to put it into a form that's appropriate for this kid, put it on his plate. And, and honest to God, truth for the first couple of months, it's just, he's going to smear it all over the place. And some of it might make it into his mouth. But when he got that first taste of that avocado, that was the first, first solid food that he had. He was like, Oh, you know, you could, you could see the, the stuff going on, but, but I digress on that. Um, extended breastfeeding is continuing into that, or this is my understanding of it, continuing yeah. to, to breastfeed as the child gets older beyond that age. And I'm curious to, to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. So evolutionarily we are designed to breastfeed our children for a few years, and this is mainly based on their immune system development. So it takes about five, six years for a little child's immune system to be pretty self-sufficient. And that whole time that the that the child is getting milk from the mother, they're getting what we call passive immunity. So breast milk is different than formula and that it's alive, it's living, it's always changing. There's antibodies, these germ fighters that the little baby, the child is kind of taking in and using to, to their benefit. And so evolutionarily, it makes sense that until that child is fully kind of ready to take on life as a a soul being that they're getting that passive immunity from the mother. We also talk about, they don't, we don't hear this a lot anymore, but some of you may have heard of milk teeth. So when a child loses their baby teeth, you, they used to say it a lot more, but you, you can look it up and they would call them milk teeth. And when do kids start losing their teeth around that same age? And that's hmm. when back in the day, like you were talking about going out and getting the protein that you know, six-year-old, seven-year-old now has these big, strong teeth that they can kind of crunch into these bigger, <laughs> bigger bones and this kind of thing. Um, but in the meantime, they're kind of getting, they're getting breast milk. So from an evolutionary point, that's the natural age of weaning, four, five, six. If we mm. just left people to their own devices, and this still happens in few places in the world, but it still does happen. 
where we just leave people alone and let nature take its course. And you see those pictures of children breastfeeding at four, five, six. In our country, we think that's totally bananas. And we say that child is going to be dependent on you. You're spoiling them. And like I said, the evidence shows completely the opposite, where those children are very well attached and more independent because they have this safe base with both of their parents who are there for them, hugging them, responding to their needs, not leaving them to cry and saying, tough it out, son. Yeah, <laughs> that that makes a baby more clingy. And we know this now. I think it makes sense. But we know that now. I think so, it makes sense. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's up. People say, how long do I breastfeed? As long as you want to. You don't have to breastfeed for five years, but just know that that's, that's biologically normal. It's yeah. very biolo biologically abnormal to say six months, we're going to stop. A year, we're going to stop. Two years. Like those are constructs that we've put on this in, in the West. And just because, I love to say this, just because at a year old, a little baby's belly is finally able to digest cow's milk. Their, their kidneys can handle it. They can't handle it until then. That, that's not better. It's okay. And you can switch to cow's milk at a year old if you want to. If that's better for you, you can do that. But that cow breast milk is not better than human milk. So it's, it's cow breast milk from random cows that you don't know. And it's okay. And it's good. And it works. But just think about that. It's not like, well, that's the better thing now. And this mother's milk has no value for the baby. That's a big myth out there. And I don't hmm. want to get too far into that. But just to kind of answer your question about extended breastfeeding is, is biologically normal breastfeeding. Excellent. I appreciate you uh, bringing some clarity to that. Um, and I think that, that the idea that extending that can actually improve independence in the child is fascinating um because at, at and i didn't know that but at first glance that seems counterintuitive but if you think about it you you said you said the words it provides a safe base and i think that a, a huge percentage of things that we do in helping our children figure out how to navigate the world should hinge on regulated doses of of F-I-F-O, fuck around and find out, right? <laughs> That's my approach with, with my son now when he's climbing or, or doing something that is potentially hazardous. I want to keep him safe, but I want to allow him to explore the possibilities. And, and he's constantly conducting his own science experiments, right? And so it's important to have, to know that I can stretch, but then come back to complete and utter safety where I don't have to be in control anymore. And, and and having that safe base, as you described it, gives gives a child at that age the courage, for lack of a better term, to attempt to express more individuality, to attempt to express more autonomy, because they know that if something scary happens, I have a safe place to go. Whereas if we look at the flip side of that, I'm not going to pick you up and hold you when you fall down and skin your knee. You're three years old. You need to man up, right? What I'm saying to you is you don't have a safe place to go anymore. Figure it out for yourself. And mm -hmm. and from just an emotional and intellectual maturity level, that just doesn't make sense to me. What does make sense is it's it's like progressive resistance training, right? You don't go in the gym and deadlift 500 pounds the first day. You've got to go in and learn how to do the movement and then gradually make it more difficult over time. So that idea, I think, permeates it's like one of the natural laws of the universe that that things will happen in a progressive order based on on mm -hmm. on environment and that can be 
progressing towards something we want or progressing away from something that we want, right? And so I think that the 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 progressive thing that happens when we don't allow our kids to to feel safe is they will progressively not feel more independent but feel more isolated. And and like they have yep. and we have studies that kind of support that too. Yeah. And again, I'm and we I'm have not... adults who are having all of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a scientist. I don't do studies or anything like that, but I, I, I do believe that, that there's a pretty interesting potential correlation between, um, isolation as a child and an inability to navigate emotions and situations and, and create stress out of nothing as an adult, because if we put the child in that stressful situation enough so that they can figure it out and toughen up because life's hard and all of that dumb stuff before they're ready to handle that, we establish, okay, being stressed out is your baseline. That is your safe space because that's what feels familiar to you. And when things feel safe, that's actually a trigger to, to like, something's wrong. Things are going too well. I, I subconsciously will go find a way to mess this up so that I'm back in my whirling chaos of stress. So that's just, that's my opinion. I got no science to back it up, but, uh, I, I think that if you, if you pay attention, then it's going to be pretty obvious that, that there's a pattern there. And, and I really, really appreciate yep, you taking around taking, the world today. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk about that extended breastfeeding because you're right. It, it's in America. That seems like a strange thing, but, um, if you just stop and pull back and think, okay, at age one, we're going to take the offspring away from the the parent nutritionally and then introduce nutrition from another source that is similar but actually designed Not for baby calves and and <laughs> and I'm saying all this as a guy who drinks and eats dairy products every single day because I've been conditioned to do that. I enjoy it. There's, you know, it ultimately breaks down into, into micronutrients, all that sort of stuff. But cow's milk as an idea is pretty weird. If you stop and think about it, just saying, um, I'm not going to stop using it, but I it agree. Nope. Nope. We would say, Oh, start giving your child uh, donkey milk when they turn one and everybody goes, Ew. Ew. And it's like, oh, what's, why is that different than a cow? Yeah. And it's not, it's just a cultural, it's, it's just totally a cultural construct that we've decided is the thing to do and is normal. And, but if you do step back, you can say, huh, that's kind yeah. of weird. <laughs> yes, it is. We yes, it is. It's weird. And I will continue to participate in it because I love me some cheese. Um, yes. So let's, let's move on to rapid fire and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Um, the way I like to do this, I'll throw the question out. First thing comes to mind, say it, and then we just move on to the next one. Sound good? And um, we'll do we'll do three yep. or four of these. Okay. Um, first thing, what is one useless talent that you have? Cake decorating. Cake decorating. That's good. I wouldn't say it's useless, but but it's it's interesting. That's good. I didn't know that about you. What's your favorite holiday? No. I know you said don't think about it. I guess I'm going to say Thanksgiving. I like I like days of gratitude. Reminders of gratefulness is a good holiday. Mm. Well, following up on that, um, Thanksgiving associated with 
lots of food. If you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Grilled cheese sandwich. Ooh, unexpected, but <laughs> but noble. I like that. And by the way, since becoming a dad, my grilled cheese game is on point. Just got to throw that one out there. Yeah. Um, nice. Um, continuing with that, what is a favorite family meal that it like if we got Michelle eating a grilled cheese sandwich by herself, that's great. But if we're like gathering everybody together, um, what's a favorite family meal? Mm. I like the sides, you know, I'm like the green bean casserole and sweet mm. potatoes. I like the veggies. So Very for cool. me, I could have a meal just with those little, maybe some cheese on top, but I don't need the big turkey, ham. Yeah. Yeah. And then vegetarian, I think I would go. Hmm, interesting. And then um, final, uh, final question for you. What's the most valuable piece of advice you've ever received? And that can be in any category. Hmm. Go with the flow. Go with the flow. Very good. Very good. Surrender to the now moment and go with it. All right. Well, I do thank you so much for, for taking time out to come talk to me today again. Um, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, we got bottleandboob.com and we've got uh, one minute milk bites on Instagram. Those are the the two places that I think are that you're most easily accessible. Um, check out one minute milk bites, even if you even if you don't reach out to find out anything, because there's some pretty interesting, pretty valuable stuff on there that um, that I, I have been thoroughly impressed with. That like, literally, I wish I would have known that five years ago. Some of the stuff that I see you do. So thank you very much for what you do. Thanks for being on. And I would love some more, some more dad followers. Come follow me and you tell me, I'll read your DMs and you say, Hey, we need to know about this. Yes. Make a video about this. I want to hear from the dads out there to make this a little less gender specific because everybody needs this information. Yeah. And let's, let's do that thing. Let's, let's embrace and normalize asking for help around things that we have no freaking clue about <laughs> rather than trying to figure it out on our own. Well, thanks again, Michelle. I, um, I'm going to stop recording and uh, just hang on for a second because I still want to talk to you.